the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Hugh Hallman is off today. He'll be with us, uh, I think, next week. He is on anniversary travel. So we'll have uh, David Harsanyi filling in and joining us later in the third hour. Let me give you the number off the bat, 602-508-0960. This is important uh, for my monologue. I normally wouldn't uh, make much of this. But uh, the USA soccer team has defeated uh, Iran uh, 1-0 and uh, will move on in the World Cup. The reason I mention that is because of what I'm about to say. My friend here in town, Kurt Davis, tweeted, quote, from the crock of SH you-know-what file, Pollyannish tripe from Jason Rezian and the Washington Post. You clearly are not on team United States men's national soccer if you actually believe that Iran's politics will be altered by advancing in the World Club. Cup. Close, close quote. Totally true. What's Kurt talking about? An op-ed today in the Washington Post from, said Jason Rezian, the headline of which is this, quote, I'm team USA, I'm team USA, but it's more important Iran advances in the World Cup, close quote. This would be the first time I can think of where someone says they are on the side of party A, but want party B to win. In this case, he says he's Team USA, but he wants Iran to win. Why? He thinks it'll bring more attention to the repression in Iran and that it could lead to Iran softening and liberalizing said repression. What a fool. Tyrannies always crack after social and cultural victories they win, don't they? No, never once. Not in Germany in the 1930s, not the USSR in any Olympics, not Cuba after Obama, not anyone ever. Rezian actually does think this, though. He writes as follows, quote, I always root for Team USA in any international sporting event, but when it comes to our World Cup match Tuesday against Iran, I think it's more important our opponents make it to the next round. Continuing, why? The people of Iran are months of Iran are months into nationwide protests demanding fundamental change to the way their country is ruled. At its heart, what's happening in Iran is a freedom and equality movement. Protesters' goals are in line with U.S. ideals and liberal values generally, and their success would be a major blow to the worldwide authoritarian wave of recent years. This moment deserves attention, and no global stage is bigger than the World Cup. Billions will be watching. The longer Iran stays in, the more recognition its people and their movement will receive. He continues, Should Iran win, it would advance to the next round of the contest for the first time, capturing even more of the global spotlight for its admirable freedom fighters. In exchange, the United States men's national team would be eliminated. That would be a blow for this fan, but some things are even more important than soccer, close quote. I would say almost everything is more important than soccer. 
And if the mainstream media is finally awakening with the rest of the high and elite culture to the repression of the world's leading terrorist regime, it has nothing to do with soccer or the United States being humiliated by the nationalism of a world soccer match, which is how every country treats their victories in such scenarios. I'm wondering if this was the same kind of nonsense that gripped CBS when Mike Wallace interviewed Mahmoud Ahmadinejad and gave him glowing reviews, or when Columbia University hosted Ahmadinejad to speak there. These were victories for Iran, not for liberalism and not for the values we all share. This is probably the same nonsense that gripped the New York Times and Princeton when the Ayatollah was taking Iran over in 1979. Here's how Christopher Hitchens wrote of that moment, quote, At the moment when Iran stood at the threshold of modernity, a black-winged ghoul came flapping back from exile on a French jet and imposed a version of his own dark and heavy uniform on a people too long used to being bullied and ordered around, close quote. Of course, Hitchens didn't have a Ph.D. nor an endowed chair at Princeton or a column in The New York Times. There, in those fancy places, with those fancy titles, that fateful year of 1979, Professor Richard Falk, still alive, wrote this in the New York Times, he of Princeton, quote, There are hopeful signs, including the character and role of Ayatollah Khomeini. To suppose that the Ayatollah Khomeini is dissembling, lying, seems almost beyond belief. His political style is to express his real views defiantly and without apology, regardless of consequences. He has little incentive suddenly to become devious for the sake of American public opinion. Thus, the depiction of him as a fanatical reactionary and the bearer of crude prejudices is certainly and happily false. Got that? This, the idea that he is a fanatical reactionary and the bearer of crude prejudices is happily and certainly false. Professor Falk continued, What is also encouraging is that his entourage of close advisors is uniformly composed of moderate progressive individuals. Professor Falk wasn't quite done yet. Quote, Having created a new model of popular revolution based for the most part on nonviolent tactics— Iran may yet provide us with a desperately needed model of humane governance for a third world country, close quote. That's what the smart and fancy people were saying then, just as in today's Washington Post, they're saying the same kind of nonsense now. When we spoke on behalf of the Iranian people in 2009, many of us, some of us, Barack Obama, the president who came to office as a man of the people, a progressive and a community organizer, he shut those protests down by saying we would not meddle in Iran's internal affairs. To not meddle when one side has guns and prisons and torture and one side doesn't is to actually meddle. It's to take a side. And, of course, Obama had no problem meddling in subsequent course in Egypt, Israel, and Libya, where in two of those three countries he changed the leadership of the government while two of another set of three were also allies of the U.S., with a third trying to become one. 
When we shoveled billions of dollars to Iran under Barack Obama, many of us warned it was not a good idea to give a terrorist country, never mind the leading terrorist country, United States dollars or any money. After we were dismissed, Secretary of State John Kerry publicly admitted he could not guarantee some of that money wouldn't end up in the hands of Hezbollah. Today, we now have precincts of the fancy and admired liberal left telling us Hezbollah isn't even a terrorist organization. This is how anti-Americanism rises, tragically, at the hands and with the heads and brains of elite and sophisticated culture in America. And this is how country like, countries like Iran thrive, by having these defeats of the United States on the world stage, any world stage. This would be why, after we quote-unquote normalized relations with Cuba, Raul Castro bragged that he defeated the United States. I'm sorry for the citizen athletes on the Iranian soccer team. I truly am. And God knows what they face when they go back home. If they didn't have to, I'd love that they didn't or wouldn't. But of course, they have families and do have to go back. But can we at least surcease the nonsense that if Iran were to have defeated the United States, it would have been an ultimate defeat for Iran? This kind of thinking is so stupid, you almost have to be an intellectual to say it or publish it. I guess I'm saying beware the liberal intellectuals. And at this time of donations and giving, please, please, please be careful of the think tanks and the Alma's mater you give to. I saw a liberal public intellectual today complaining that with Elon Musk running Twitter, COVID misinformation would be back in vogue on Twitter. Kyle Becker wrote, you don't mean COVID misinformation. You mean censorship of COVID information. Let's review what those telling us we were the ones spreading misinformation were telling us and are still telling us. One, 15 days to slow the spread. Two, masks work. Three, lockdowns work. Four, natural immunity is a myth. Five, mRNA shots are vaccines. Six, COVID shots stop transmission. Seven, 100% safe and effective. Eight, vitamin D doesn't help. Nine, ivermectin is a horse dewormer and animal medicine. Ten, Hydroxychloroquine is dangerous. 11. COVID can be spread on surfaces. 12. Asymptomatic transmission is common. 13. COVID could be spread outdoors. And 14. My favorite. Children are at significant risk. They perpetrated all that and more and ruined our country, perhaps irreparably. They still have their jobs. Beware the elite and cultural intellectuals. Dennis Prager flagged this earlier today. He was right to do so. It's a quote from Mike Pompeo. Mike Pompeo says, I get asked who the most dangerous person in the world is. Is it Chairman Kim? Is it Xi Jinping? Most dangerous person in the world is Randy Weingarten. She's the head of the National Education Association. It's not a close call, still quoting Pompeo. If you ask who's the most likely to take this republic down, it would be the teachers' unions and the filth that they're teaching our kids. These are the things that candidates should speak to in a way that says, here's the problem, here's a proposal for how to solve it, and if given the opportunity, these are the things I will go to work on to try and deliver that outcome that fixes that problem. 
If there's something in the textbook that shouldn't be there, it's okay to identify that and call it out. And that's just for openers. Then the question is, so tell me, how is it the case that you're going to go convince the people of Sedgwick County, Kansas, that they need to identify school board members who are going to push through a curriculum that actually returns to the ideas that made America unique and special, close quote. Dennis said his esteem went up for Pompeo with that one. Dennis was right. Nonetheless, Pompeo should not run for president. Maybe he should run for something else. Speaking of this, we pushed people to run for school board. A lot of them here locally that we pushed and promoted on this show won. And they had higher voter turnout in those races we used to never care about than the big ticket races like for Senate and governor. Really interesting. Underreported story, that. But that's good. That's what matters most. The children. Plato put it that the two most important questions a society can ask is who teaches the children and what will they be taught? The left got that. We're just beginning to. But let us, now that we get it, not forget it. I worried yesterday about us adopting too much of the ethos of China. That's where it starts, with the kids and with the schools. You know what I really want? I want the left to worry about us adopting too much of the ethos of America. That, it seems to me, is what will send the message that needs to be sent abroad to places like Iran and China. And that is what will send the message that needs to be sent to the leftists here that we have listened to for, to for way too long. That we have listened to you, we learned from you, we want none of this ever again, is our message. You came damn close to ruining the last best hope of Earth, and you ruined a lot on the way. You did it with lies, you did it with ideology, you did it with demagoguery, you did it with censorship, you did it with your pseudo-sophisticated logic, you did it with normalizing the abnormal in places like Iran, Cuba, and China, and you did it by normalizing the abnormal here at home. I recall well, some of us worried about what was happening to a society that got a January 2017 National Geographic fetch shrift to eight-year-old Kids changing their sexes. I was one of them. We were told we were backward to be concerned. We were reactionary, not with it, old-fashioned. Well, I give you the world a mere five years later. It's not a better one. Scott Johnson asks, how fluid can we get? You see this story, speaking of normalizing the abnormal, Sam Britton one of the, quote, first openly gender-fluid individuals in fe federal government leadership was charged with felony theft last month after allegedly stealing a woman's luggage at an airport. You recall this person? You might if I describe him or her. In all respects, a man, but with hugely, grotesquely high heels, hugely bright lipstick, shaven bald in hugely bright dresses. Remember this person? This MIT grad went viral earlier this year when he announced his new role as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Office of Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition in the U.S. Department of Energy. As one of, if not the very first, openly gender-fluid individuals in federal government leadership, I was welcomed with open arms in the Department of Energy, all the way up to the Secretary, whom I shared the stage with in a Pride Month celebration panel just today, Britain wrote on Twitter at the time. 
He said he is not a Biden appointee, but instead was hired as a career employee in the senior executive service. Brinton accepted the job in February and began in June, according to media reports. I guess, end of day, if there's no such thing as truth, there's really no such thing as stealing or crime. Or, I guess, private property. Or, I guess, normalcy. I give you Marxism. I give you liberal left intellectualism. Be American instead. Root for America to win. It's just such a better place when it does. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and it still remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need a pushy commission salesperson to tell you why you should buy gold. You already want it. All you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins so you get what you want at the best value. Enter the Midas Gold Group. They're veteran-owned and proud supporters of this station right here on 960 AM. They're fighting for your right to free speech, financial, financial privacy, and the stability that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of our listeners know and trust, the Midas Gold Group. Visit them in person at 625 West Deer Valley Road in Phoenix or call 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or go online to MidasGoldGroup.com. Visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. We had a caller yesterday. I think his name was Sean. Awfully nice Guy, I think he was a first-time caller. I'd uh, love to have him back. Maybe he wasn't, but he, I think he was. In any event, doesn't matter. We treat everyone equally here. Not with equity, but equality. Um, <laughs> someone interviewed me the other day, and they put in the quote, um, they, they had me quoted as saying, I believe in, what did they say, Bill? Liberty and equity. <laughs> no, no, that's not what I said. This is how bad. This is how badly the culture can infuse, you know. It Equity wasn't a word on people's lips five, six, seven years ago. Now it's the default. I. It's entirely likely this person even thought I meant to say equity when I said equality. It's entirely likely. Anyway, I'm kind of embarrassed because I don't want anyone reading it in five or ten years from now, people saying, Liebson believed in pushing equity? No, trust me. When I quoted the Declaration of Independence, I did not use the word equity. I hope people can trust that. In any event, where was I? Oh, yes. Sean called and asked about a quote about how a regime subsists on lies. He was thinking it might have been from uh, 1984, and we went through that a little bit. But um, anyway, uh, there is nothing that the regime of the Democratic Party won't lie about. You may remember one of the mantras going into the last days of the election was that the rise of crime was a myth. Remember that? The rise of violent crime is a myth. The problem, the New York Times headline was not so much the crime, but the Republicans exploiting people's fears about crime. That was how the New York Times handled it. But that tune has changed. New York Times today, yeah, they won the, well, they didn't win. They staved off a Republican tidal wave. I guess is is what you might say. But now they're back to it. New York Times has a major piece today that violent crime has risen in 22 compared to 2021. 
not only in the city, but in other, several other counties. The Washington Post has a story today. Nine stories from America's homicide crisis. Boy, they lie. They just lie. We don't. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If uh, it's 34 past the hour, that means we do our culture and economy update. No one to do it better with than John Dombrowski. He of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, where he is president and founder. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is the website. He also has his own radio show here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. The Word on Wealth. What's interesting today, John? Well, it's kind of a flat day today for the markets. Not much happening. But it looks like we've got a lot of economic news on the horizon this week, and that, I think, is one of the reasons. Talk to me. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about what we should be expecting. Yeah, so we have, first of all, the Fed tomorrow. We'll be uh, speaking tomorrow, and we're going to hear uh, Fed Chair Powell just maybe get some comments from him that may indicate one way or another as to what he believes the recent rate hikes have been doing and if it's effective and if they believe that uh, maybe they're going to slow down that rate hike of three-quarters of a percent that we've been talking about. Um, and I don't know how much really he'll you know, spill the beans or let out of the bag as it would be uh, in his speech tomorrow. Of course, uh, the Fed's going to make their decision and announce that um, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then, of course, we've got a lot of economic data coming out this week. We've got... Um, yeah, let's run through it. We're going to have yep. a Labor Department release tomorrow, yep. We've I think. got ADP employment yep. report. We've yep. got the real GDP report, which is really going to give us an indication on some inflation. And then we have uh, later in the week, we've got uh, initial jobless claims, continuing jobless claims, uh, and then into Friday non-farm payroll So, and the unemployment rate on Friday. So we're going to really get a, a good indication uh, this week by Friday as to a number of, I think, key stats that many will look at to see how the economy really is doing. Is it slowing down? Are we starting to get a handle on some of the inflationary pressures that we've been feeling? On the Labor Department release mm-hmm. tomorrow, it'll be October data on job openings, if I'm reading this right, which also includes quits and hires and mm-hmm. layoffs. Uh, to give people an idea here, employers had 10.7 million openings in September, which was an increase of 437,000 from August, right. showing that demand for workers remains robust. This is this is this how we're going to now paper over this problem we're facing? Demand yeah. for workers remains robust. The yeah, euphemisms here, you know. Right. So, and again, that is definitely something that uh, there's no question that there is still a demand yeah. for employees. Now, one of the things I did hear today uh, on one of the the media channels was that apparently some of these larger companies that in the past have been requiring uh, that their applicants have college degrees. Uh, We're now starting to see some of these companies removing that from their qualifications. And they're believing that if they can get a good enthusiastic, uh, you know, applicant, that they believe they should be able to, even without a college education, that they should be able to train them for the positions that they're looking for. So this opens up a whole nother market uh, in the past, that companies uh, were excluding these people. Now they're uh, potential, um, you know, candidates for these positions. So that could be a positive for some of the people out there that have maybe been looking for a job, but because of no college education, it's uh, maybe been putting a little bit of a damper on their their uh, ability to find a job. You know, when we have a little uh, more time um, and we can do a little deeper dive uh, when we're not together on air, it might be fun to kind of look into both of us. Uh, 
people, percentages of people who have jobs uh, that did go to college or junior college or some right. kind of professional training, that really isn't related to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, increasingly, what you just said, John, seems to be the case. I know a lot of people here um, at my at my uh, at the 960 that have jobs, some of which, you know, you just would have never predicted or guessed based on their college education. Mm-hmm. Um Mine, I think I do in a way I do I do relate to my college education, but it is an interesting thing. A college education, I think, is less important than it used to be in a weird way. It, it's true because some of the positions that need to be filled don't necessarily require it. Yeah. Now, of course, an engineer or something such as that, you need that schooling and you need that ability to um, you know, have those years of training uh, before you'd be able to maybe be qualified for a position like that. However, uh, in sales and in many other um, jobs, um, you don't need a college education. And there have been many successful people, yeah. as we know, yeah. Yeah. who have either um, you know, not finished college or never went to college yeah. at all. So, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And I think the college degree is a diminishing return, even mm-hmm. for what people still think it is, because it isn't. Um, I was reading a piece the other day, uh, graduating college senior today knows about as much as a grade graduating college high school, uh, excuse me, high graduating school. high school right. senior a generation ago. Kind mm-hmm. of interesting. It huh? sure is. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, John. You bet. Securities and Advisory Services offer the Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Inman Sipic and an Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. All right, John. Thank you. I'm Bye-bye. Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind, we're there. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 Six zero Turning Point USA is bringing America's biggest freedom party to Phoenix this December 17th through the 20th at the Phoenix Convention Center. America Fest 2022 features some of the biggest names in the conservative movement. Charlie Kirk, of course, Candace Owens, Tucker Carlson, Steve Bannon, Laura Ingram, Kaylee McEnany, and many more. There'll be nightly concerts featuring music legends Riley Green, Chase Rice, Rail Lynn, and more. Don't miss the largest celebration of our constitutional rights and freedoms in America. Next caller, I'm going to give you four general admission tickets to Turning Points America Fest 2022. Four for free. And don't worry, if you don't win tickets, you can buy them online at amfest.com. We have a special discount for 960 The Patriot listeners. Just use code Patriot when checking out at AMFest.com, and you'll get 50% off your tickets. Head to AMFest.com, AMFest.com now for event details. The next caller will give you four free general admission tickets, 602-508-0960 is the number. Okay. One of the um, one of the things I was talking about just a few moments ago was how interesting it is to me that the talking points. I mean, the Democrats threw around a lot of talking points, seeing what would stick on the wall um, right before the election. The one that it seemed to resonate the most was um, was that a vote for Republicans was a vote to threaten democracy and that whole line of verbiage. 
Um, that whole line of nonsense. You vote for Republicans. You're voting to threaten our Constitution. You heard it odd in, well, really ad nauseum the last two weeks before the campaign. Mixed in there, I mean, because they were slinging a lot of slash, slinging a lot of hash. And one of them in there was that crime is being overstated and exploited by the uh, Republican Party. Crime is being an issue that is being that is fear mongering. New York Times had that great headline, great for illustrative purposes. The problem is not crime, but Republicans fear mongering about crime. And, you know, we were kind of sitting here going through the statistics, going through the data, responding as best we could that this was all so much nonsense. And now that the election is over, uh, crime is back in the news at the places that were telling us not to worry about it. As I mentioned, particularly the New York Times and the Washington Post just today, Uh, the New York Times to refresh uh, had a piece today noting that major crimes have increased in New York City. And that violent crime has risen in 22 compared to 2021, not just in New York City, but in several other counties. While The Washington Post doing its part has a story today, nine stories from America's homicide crisis, noting that, quote, during the last three years, homicides nationwide have reached their highest levels in decades. This this is um, this is interesting what the Democrats uh, are willing to you know, lie about or tell us is not the case only to uh, change the tune after it does its work for election purposes. They did a lot of this going into the 2020 election with COVID, just a ton of it. I'll give you an example. I think the most egregious, the most egregious example was of many. So it takes a bit to say the most egregious, but I think the most egregious by my lights and memory was when Joe Biden said, about Donald Trump, anyone responsible for as many deaths is not qualified to be president, only for Joe Biden then to become president and preside over multiple times that number of deaths that happened on Donald Trump's watch during COVID. Not only multiple times the number of deaths that uh, happened on Donald Trump's watch, but more than double the deaths. Not only more than double the deaths, more than double the deaths with a vaccine that was not accessible or not available or not invented or discovered during Donald Trump's presidency. Oh, until a week after the election, by the way, a week after the election is when the vaccine was announced. Um, And also more than double the number of deaths on Joe Biden's watch with a year's experience of COVID. No longer was it the novel coronavirus when Joe Biden became president. In other words, no longer was it new. The Democrats play this stuff really well and they're doing it with crime. And what's interesting to me is sometimes they don't, the real hard ideological types in the Democratic Party don't get the memo because they don't really care about elections. They're just, you know, ideologically uh, committed. They're purists. One of them, you used to see this person on television all the time. Uh, I haven't seen her in a long time. Part of it may be due to me not watching as much television as I used to. But her name is Katrina Vandenhoevel, and she is uh, uh, editor-in-chief, and I believe maybe even the owner of uh, the socialist magazine The Nation. 
She used to be on MSNBC all the time as the liberal or the leftist uh, debating the conservative or the Republican back when MSNBC tolerated conservatives and Republicans. Anyway, she has a piece at The Nation, her magazine today. The midterms showed Democrats don't need to pander on crime. And she runs down, you know, all the Democratic consultants like Paul Begala and Stanley Greenberg and uh, even even some of the columnists like uh, William Galston and Tom Edsel, who kind of have columns in the Washington uh, Wall Street Journal and New York Times, respectively, saying, you know, quoting them, saying Democrats need a better message on crime uh, or the message defund the police is a real killer. That's what people like Begala and Greenberg were saying, and Katrina Vandenhovel's taking them to task, saying, you didn't need to do this. The crime thing is just fine in America. Uh, Voters didn't resonate to the shock and fear of crime when she surveys the landscape. And she's kind of selecting where it worked and where it didn't. I have to tell you, it's true that uh, Kathy, is it Kathy Hochul, the the governor of New York? Uh, It's true that she was reelected, but by a lot less than people would have normally expected. And her Republican, her Republican opponent, Lee Zeldin, did such a good job that he's giving credit. He is being given credit for winning so many New York House of Representatives races on his coattails He couldn't win statewide, but the candidates that ran with him when he was in their districts did really well, so much so that he is being discussed as maybe the best idea for the next chairman of the RNC. Get rid of Rona McDaniel and put in Lee Zelton. Uh, And then, of course, here in, you know, a place like Phoenix uh, or Maricopa County, we did really well with Rachel Mitchell and her serious and... uh, unemotional and yet serious message about crime and rising crime. And we could go through other examples. I, I think people did resonate. I don't think Catherine Van de Heuvel is right. What I do think is it is the shame of the media to have bought in and perpetrated a lie. Just another example of how the media is the arm of the Democratic Party and not the friend of the truth ever. Bill, how much time do I have? I lost my track. We have one minute. Yes? Good? All right. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Did we get a winner? We did. We lit up the phones. We got a winner for uh, We got a winner for uh, Talking Point uh, America. America Fest 2022. That's great. Are you worried about stock market volatility? If you are, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no correlation to the stock market. It's a unique investment opportunity where they are offering this tremendous investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return for investors, up to 10 and a quarter percent. By the way, your investment can be in a trust, an IRA, just as much as it can be an individual or joint investment. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm. It's made up of really great guys who do really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or 
Give them a call at, I just had the number here. You would think I had it memorized. I don't. It's my bad. InvestYRefi.com. Or you can give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. Never a sales pitch. They just like talking about what they do and letting it speak for itself. All right, here's something I want to talk about with you all in the next hour. Uh, so after that top-of-the-hour news break, I would love to take your calls on it, or really anything uh, that you want to talk about. But I am fascinated by Apple, the company, Apple, and its CEO going after Elon Musk, in one sense, by pulling its ads off Twitter and threatening to take its uh Twitter, the Twitter app off the bundling in the iPhone, off the app store in the iPhone. That's one. And then on the other, iPhone, iPhone restricting airdrop file sharing in China. You know, there are these protests going on in China. You do know this, of course. And one of the ways these protesters communicate with each other is using the function called airdrop. If you're not familiar with it, I'll just – it's uh, – Simply put, if you're next to someone or within range of someone, you can airdrop. That is to say you can send them information without it going through text, without it being monitored, without it going through an email or a phone call. And Apple is helping the Chinese government, not the protesters, by not allowing and restricting airdrop in China. Hell of a thing, this American company, Apple, isn't it? Well, it's lecturing us that free speech on Twitter is a problem. I'd love your thoughts on all this or anything. 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.